good afternoon. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We are a, a local Glasgow congregation, and we minister in the Partick area of Glasgow. And do accept a warm welcome to us as we come here this afternoon for our weekly open-air outreach. Here we're on Buchanan Street in Glasgow City Centre. And it's a pleasure and a privilege for us to be here. And I do hope that as you pass by, you might hear something that will be useful to you as you would consider the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a number of us out here this afternoon, and uh, we do hope that You'll take one of these uh, gospel tracts that has been offered to you. It may well be that you're not able to read them at the moment, but please put them in your bag and take them home with you or in your pocket. And when you get a moment, you may be able to read there something of the Christian gospel. And you'll find our contact details there also. And we supply these details in order that you might be aware that we are genuine bona fide Christians. We are ones who operate in Glasgow. We're not fly-by-night cowboys. And therefore, we provide our details, times of our services and where we meet in the hope and in the expectation that you will find yourself to come along to one of these uh, uh, services that we have. But we come out, friends, in order to give you a taster for the Christian gospel. And we do this because, well, we're commissioned, of course, part of the great commission that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to His church. But also we come out because... Let's be clear and honest, you don't come to us. And therefore, if you don't come to us, we will come to you. Because the message that we bring to you is the most important message that you can possibly hear. And sadly, many people today don't hear the authentic Christian gospel. Well, for the time that's before us, and for the short time that you're passing by, we do hope that you'll hear something of the Christian gospel, something that would whet your appetite and would cause you to think more seriously about the Lord Jesus Christ and His claims upon your life. I want to begin this afternoon reading from God's Word. You'll find it in the book of Proverbs, that's in the Old Testament. And Proverbs was primarily written by Solomon, the son of the great King David. And at the time that he wrote these Proverbs, Solomon was regarded as the most wisest man upon the earth. Well, we're happy to quote his words, but we would draw to your attention that one greater than Solomon has come in among us. And that one greater than Solomon is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But Solomon says here in the Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 25, as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Let me repeat that to you. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Now remember, Solomon wrote that in the Middle East, where even today, water is a scarce commodity. And it certainly was in his time. Water was much more precious to them than it is to us today. And very often there was famine and there was water shortages. And here he is describing the wonderful relief it is when someone who is thirsty and they receive a glass or a cup of cold water. Sometimes, friends, you will find that nothing will satisfy your thirst but cold water. And that's what he's talking about here. This is what he says. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Well, a soul who is thirsty, when water reaches his lips and mouth, he is satisfied. He is delighted. And he likens that experience to good news coming from a far country. Again, we need to put these things in context. And 3,000 years ago in Israel, travel wasn't what it is today. And when people went on a far journey, it took a long time before any kind of news came. And when good news came from a far country, there was rejoicing. There were people who would be delighted if they heard from their family or their friends or from diplomats or whatever. Whenever they heard good news from a far country, it caused a great sense of delight. Like the delight that the thirsty soul knows when they have received a wonderful cup of refreshing cold water. Well, you might well ask me this afternoon, what has this got to do with the Christian gospel? Well, I'll tell you, sir, what it's got to do with the Christian gospel. The Christian gospel is good news from a far country. The Christian gospel is good news from a far country. Where is that far country, we might say? Well, friends, Christianity, the good news of the gospel that has been brought to us by the life and by the death and by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ has come from heaven itself. You cannot get anywhere further away from earth than heaven. And this is what the Christian gospel is. It is a record of what God has done in Christ. Just take it for your efforts. What God has done for people in Christ. You will be well familiar with what is regarded as the most popular verse 
in the Old Testament or the New Testament or the Bible. What is it? It's John 3.16. And what does John 3.16 say? It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Wonderful verses from John chapter 3. And you'll be able to read them in your own Bibles, friends, to validate what I'm saying. But surely these verses are telling us that it was the Lord our God that took the initiative and sent forth His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It was Him who saw us lost and perishing. It was Him who saw us in sin. It was Him who saw us on the broad road that leads to destruction. It was Him that took upon Himself to exercise mercy and grace and love towards fallen mankind. He took the initiative. He sent forth His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in order to do what no one else could do. What was that? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ came to this world. He lived like us in this world, but He lived a perfect life. He came and took our form. He took our nature. He was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary by a miraculous operation of God the Holy Spirit, an operation that none of us can possibly explain or understand, but it is true. And he did this, friends, in order that he would purchase, in order that he would perform all that was required of him, in order to save his people from their sins. And this, friends, is the good news that has come from heaven. And as we're looking at our text, as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. And I put it to you this afternoon here on Buchanan Street in Glasgow City Centre. There is no good news like this good news. This good news tops it all. This is the ultimate good news that we could possibly hear because, friends, to understand and to appreciate the good news, we must first acquaint ourselves with the bad news. And what is the bad news? Well, the bad news is there to inform us. It's not there to flatter us. It's there to inform us. And it tells us, the Bible makes it clear, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. That's the Bible's verdict upon every single human being. From the time when Adam fell, all throughout the running centuries, and for as many centuries as remain unto us, this will be God's verdict upon mankind. 
For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now you might well say to yourself, well, it doesn't really matter. I'm not concerned. Well, I respectfully say to you, you should be concerned. Because one day, you're going to have an encounter with God. One day, you're going to stand before King Jesus. The Bible again tells us, and this is where we would take all our doctrine and all our authority from, it is from the Word of God. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And he goes on to say, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, this is what motivated the great Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, who was a Pharisee, who at one time was persecuting the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what happened to him? He was converted. He was on the road to Damascus. He was going to Damascus to round up the Christians and to take them back to Jerusalem in order that they might be punished. But what happened? He encountered the risen and the glorified Lord Jesus Christ. And he was transformed and changed. And he became the apostle to the Gentiles. And he was the one who devoted all the time that he had left in this world to go forth and to preach the gospel. Why? Because he was motivated by this fact, knowing therefore the tenor of the Lord, we persuade men. And friends, we want to follow in his footsteps today. We want to go out. We want to tell people about the great love of God that is found in the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We want you to call upon him because one day you're going to stand before him. And friends, when that day comes, you don't want to stand before him as your judge. Instead, you want to have him as your Lord and Savior. And we are happy to tell you that this is the day of grace. This is a day when you are to go and to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are to seek him while he may be found. Because, friends, there may come well a day when you will want to seek him and you will not be able to find him. That's an awesome thought, is it not? But that's what the Bible tells us. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let me find that verse for you in Isaiah chapter 50, 55. Let me read these verses to you. As we find it in God's Word, here's Isaiah the prophet 600 years before the coming of the Lord Jesus. This is what he says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. This, friends, is the day of grace 
This is the time when you are to seek the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. And what? What does it say? And he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Friends, I put it to you this afternoon here, as you go about your shopping or business, this is what you need above everything. You might be going to the shops, you might be looking for a bargain, you might be looking for something to eat or something to drink, something to wear or whatever. But I tell you, because the Word of God tells me that what you need above all things is to have your sins forgiven. This, friends, is the ultimate gift that God can give to you. The gift that He giveth and addeth no sorrow with it. And do you know, only the Lord Jesus Christ can forgive your sins. Don't think that if you go to a priest and confess your sins, that your sins are forgiven. Don't think if you go to a bishop or an archbishop or a cardinal or a pope or anyone, none can forgive your sins but Jesus Christ alone. He is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. That's what his cousin, John the Baptist, said when he saw him. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And this is what you need. Because all our problems, personal problems, family problems, problems in the community, problems in the city, problems in the nation, they can all be attributed to this fact. We're sinners in the sight of God. And we don't, as a result, have that relationship with God that we should have. If we go right back to the very beginning of mankind, the Bible teaches us about this. It tells us, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God is the great creator. God is the one who brought this world, this universe, the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, all life into being. He is that great creator. And it tells us, the Bible tells us, God created man, male and female, after his own image in knowledge righteousness and holiness. And there, friends, we are reminded that God is the one who has created us, our first parents. Adam was created out of the dust, and Eve was created from Adam. And they were the first man and woman and they are our first parents. And God gave them a very clear and simple command. He placed them in the Garden of Eden, in paradise, 
where everything was laid on for our first parents. They had nothing to do other than to tend to the garden. And God gave Adam a very clear commandment. And this commandment was simply to test Adam whether he would, in fact, follow and serve the Lord his God, whether he truly loved him or not. What was that commandment that he gave? The commandment was, you can eat from any tree in the garden. That is, you could eat the fruit of any tree in the garden apart from one. They were forbidden to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as we say, there was nothing special in that tree. It was simply a test to see whether they would obey their Creator. Well, I'm sure you know what happened. Eve was tested, she was tempted, and she succumbed to temptation. She ate the forbidden fruit, and she gave some to her husband. Now, as you're passing by this afternoon, I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, that's not really important, surely. It doesn't really matter. Well, I would disagree, and so would the Bible. I would disagree because there, our first parents committed high treason. They sided with God's enemy. And they turned their backs upon the living God. It was a terrible, terrible sin that they committed. And because of that sin, sin came into man's experience. And the relationship that our first parents had with their Creator God was broken. They became spiritually dead the moment that they, they disobeyed. And they did not have and they did not enjoy the relationship that, that they had previously because of their disobedience. Now this has affected all of us. Why? Because they were our first parents. And we were represented in them. And the guilt of Adam's sin was imputed to us so that we, from the moment of con conception, have a sinful nature. And when we come out of the womb, we transgress the law of God. Day by day, moment by moment, every day of our lives. That's why the Bible calls us sinners. That's why the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. None whatsoever. We're all tainted with this terrible internal disease called sin. And what's more, we can do nothing about it. This is maybe what we don't like, but this is what the Bible teaches us. This is why the Son of God had to come down from heaven in order to rescue us. That's why the eternally begotten Son of God 
had to take upon himself our form and our nature and become just like us because we could not save ourselves. Many people try to do this. Many people come to an understanding that they're not right with God and they want to do something about it. And many people will turn to religion or they will turn to charity. They will turn to do, to do good works as they see it. But all of these good works and all of these efforts are but filthy rags in the sight of God. Because God has provided a way. And that itself is marvelous. That God who has been offended by our behavior is the same one who has provided a way whereby we can be reconciled to him. Not only has he provided a way, but there's only one way. And this is again something that does not flatter us, but it's so vital that we understand this. There's only one way to be reconciled to God. For there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life a ransom for all to be testified in due time. This, friends, is marvelous. This is like what I was saying earlier. This is like good news from a far country. This is God's good news that he gives to mankind. This is from heaven. This is the ultimate far country. This is what God has revealed to us. And do you know what, friends? When people embrace the gospel as it's offered to them in the Lord Jesus Christ, when they embrace it, it is good news. People rejoice. In our congregation at the moment, we're going through the book of Acts. And we have come to that point when the gospel came to the Samaritans. And do you know what it says there? When the gospel came to the Samaritans, there was joy in the city. Joy in the city when people are reconciled to God. There is joy for the individual when they come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is another thing that makes Christianity distinct and unique. It is that it brings joy to those who embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. Why does it bring joy? Well, it brings joy, friends, because your sins are forgiven. You can know the blessedness of eternal life today, the moment that you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verily, verily, Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. What is that verse telling us? What's Jesus conveying to us? He is telling us that the moment we trust upon him, we are saved. We have everlasting life. 
I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me. Friends, we're to believe in God. We're to believe in what God has done for us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we truly believe upon him in a biblical sense, what do we have? We have eternal life. We have everlasting life. We have it in bad form. And then one day we will know it in its full manifestation. And it goes on. And shall not come into condemnation. Is this not something that troubles you? Is it not true, friend, that your sin troubles you? Is it not true that you have a bad conscience? You don't have a peaceful conscience? And sometimes it manifests itself more than others? Is that not true? Yes, it is. If you're honest with yourself, you'll admit there will be occasions when you have a troubled conscience. Why do you have a troubled conscience? You have a troubled conscience because you're not right with God. Well, friends, here's the good news from a far country. Here's the good news from God Himself in heaven that we can have a peaceful conscience. We can be at peace with God through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Do you fear death? Every one of us is mortal. Is it not true? We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. Where are you going? Where are you going when you pass from this scene of time? Think upon it, friends. What does the atheist tell himself? How does he delude himself? Well, he says, he says, once I die, it's all over. It's curtains. Well, we say to that, it's utter nonsense. Of course, it's utter nonsense. The Christian gospel proves it. How does it prove it? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ was taken down dead from the cross, put into a borrowed tomb, but on the third day he arose. And the Savior that we proclaim to you today is alive forevermore. We're here from Partick, Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We're going to take a short break, but may the Lord be pleased to bless His Word to you this afternoon. Good afternoon. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We're a local congregation, a Scottish registered charity. We meet at Two Thornwood Terrace. If you go up Dumbarton Road, and you'll come to a police station. Opposite the police station, if you go up that steep hill there, you'll come to Thornwood Primary School first, and then you'll meet our building on the crossroads next door to it. And we extend a warm welcome to you to come along any Lord's Day. What day is that? Well, that's Sunday.
the first day of the week and we meet at 11 a.m. and again in the early evening at 6 p.m. and we also meet on Wednesday evening at 7.30 and these services, these meetings are open to the public we would make you warmly welcome and we would receive you with gladness there's no pressure on anyone please come along where you might hear something more about the Christian gospel and this is what we want to draw to your attention we realize that on Buchanan Street here we have many many people and there are certain individuals who are out for your attention we have some music behind us and we did have some music in front of us and there are lots and lots of people and businesses and shops who are out for your attention they want you to patronize them well why are we here well we simply want to draw your attention to the Christian gospel and to ask you a very real and pertinent question that you cannot afford to dismiss what is that question where are you going we don't mean in a local sense we don't mean within a day or two we mean where are you going when you pass into eternity that's why it's so important <clears throat> we're all going to pass into eternity we may well dismiss the gospel tract and throw it away and we may well get the policeman saying a word to us for throwing rubbish on the street clearly seen by all but friends there's no use in burying your head in the sand because one day we will have an audience with God one day we will give account of what we have done Paul reminds the Christians in Corinth that's part of Greece he reminds them some 2,000 years ago for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad knowing the terror of the Lord we persuade men and that's one reason why we come out in order to remind you friends that as ones made in the image of God we are accountable to our Creator he has given us a law to obey we cannot obey it it's impossible for us because of sin but nevertheless we are still responsible we really have a, a real problem because this law will condemn us the soul that sinneth it shall die the Bible says 
but there is a solution. God has provided a solution. And what is that solution? Well, the solution is none other than the eternally begotten Son of God, God the Son, who became the Son of Man, who took upon Himself our form and our nature and became like us, came down to this world in order that He might suffer and die and pay the price for our sins. In Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22, here we read in God's Word in the Old Testament, we are the people, well, I don't know about that, but this is what Isaiah says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Who is the prophet speaking about? When he says, look unto me, is he talking about himself? No, he would never say that. He's not talking about himself. He would recognize that he is a sinner. He's talking about someone else. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the long-promised Messiah. And when the Messiah would come, they were to look to him. And be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, yes, our Savior is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. He is the second person in the Blessed Trinity. We have in the Bible God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, God the Son was sent down from heaven, and He was sent down in order that He would become a man. Why did He become a man? He became a man in order that He would live among us and that He would live a perfect life, that He would be able to do what no one else can do. He lived a sin-free life. Can you imagine that? Well, we can find that very difficult to imagine. Can you imagine someone living in the sin-cursed world never having a wrong thought, never saying a wrong word, never having to apologize for what he has said. Well, that's what, what it was like for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hello, yes, sir. Yeah. Can you make up for this? How are you doing? No, are you okay? Brand new, sir. Good, good, good. How it is, um, there's, there's been a few uh, complaints regarding the noise in this side of the street from the piper, yourself, and from the, the people violin. playing the violin and whatnot back there. Um, there is offices here. Uh, people are trying to be on the phone, Zoom calls and stuff like that. And I've been in an office there and I've listened to, in particular, your preaching from here with your, your kind of amplifier and it is very, very loud and off-putting for people. Um, the council statutes does state that any, if, there's, if there is anyone preaching, it shouldn't be amplified. Uh, and also any buskers um, 
or anyone that's kind of doing any projecting shouldn't be within 50 metres of each other because they're all con congregating together, if that makes sense. Um, I understand it's a Friday mainly that you come? Usually, you, yes. You, yeah. is, this, is this your main bit or do you, do you move around? We would normally be up where there's, there's two bollards there on your left-hand side beside that bins. See black bollards? Yeah, 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 just over there. Yeah, okay. we would normally be there. Right. But the piper was there before us. Right. Okay. Historically, when buskers were playing in the city centre, they wouldn't be there in the one position for, for longer than an hour. They would tend to have a kind of a local agreement that everyone would move on to the different parts of right. the city centre so that people weren't subjected to whatever it is for a full for a full day. Um, we've spoke to various people in the offices in there and they have they have made complaints regarding all sorts of buskers and, and people demonstrations etc and they're all they made complaints to the council, which is currently being looked at by the council, but I don't think the people are getting the, the satisfaction from the council that, that they should be. Um, my request to you uh, today would be if you could turn that down significantly so that yeah, your voice together, isn't amplified, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. or even try and use your power of speech without the amplifier and move around the, move around the town. <laughs> it does. It doesn't need to be that that loud, sir. Well, uh, I'll take on board what you've said. I'll turn it down. But uh, you must think I have a foghorn of a voice. If you think I can project my voice with all this noise going yeah, about here, <laughs> I, I I was in offices in, in the two floors, upper levels there, and all you can hear is your voice projecting in the in the window. Um, if you, if you think of the rental offices around here and people try to conduct the, their own business uh, during the day, there, there's chaps there that have said that they're having to come in and, and do overtime and, and try and not lose clients because they can't hear their clients on, uh, on the phone. And we can't have that. The, the, the city centre is a diverse, multicultural place, you know, we're accepting of, of everyone and everything in the city centre, but there needs to be a, a level that for want of a better expression, the, the normal hustle and bustle. You know, you've got your normal hustle and bustle noises going around, and then you've got you know, octaves ab above that. Mm. Um, we're going to be speaking to the, the people here as well. Um, I think they've been there since nine o'clock this morning. Um, and I, I think you could appreciate, if you were listening to their tunes all day, they're probably on repeat maybe 10 or 20 times, you know, mm. so. The people that are living and working here are having to put up with that like, all the time. What I would suggest is turn it significantly down and try and move around and spread your message throughout the city centre, you know, down from near to George Square. Not on George Square because you're not allowed on there. Um, the, the Merchant City, there's, there's obviously High Street, there's uh, St Enoch, like near to St Enoch subway, that's got heavy football as well. Um, because if you think about it, if you'd hear static, there's people from everywhere just passing you by. But that can happen anywhere near any of the hubs, the transport hubs, even the, even the bus station outside. You know where the, the walking clock is outside the, mm. the bus station? So you, you'll get there, you'll get passing people coming into town, leaving town, 
um, St Enoch uh, and you've also got High Street at the other east side of the city. Alright. Yep, okay, thank you very much, officers. The thank you. The motto of Glasgow used to be. Thank you. Thank you, sir. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. Is that better? John, is that better? Is that. Is that any, John, is that better? That's quite good, I think, eh? That's significantly less. Can you, can you, can you still hear it there where you were? Yeah, I can hear you, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's, it's less. It's, it's less, it's, there's a lot less. Right, okay. Street artists are allowed to perform. It's a decibel level, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, a friend down there is practicing that day, so you're in that category. Mm. If you want to replace, they should have some sort of device that if you go over decibel level, you can knock yeah. it down to. Yeah. Good afternoon. We were here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We're a uh, a local congregation, as you might expect from our name, we minister in the Partick area of Glasgow, but we're out here as we normally do once a week on Buchanan Street in order that we might bring the Christian gospel to those who are passing by. We do it, friends, because, well, we have a commission from the Lord Jesus Christ himself a commission that he gave to his first century apostles and disciples. And it's a wonderful commission that they sought to fulfill in their day. But the commission was so broad and extensive that they po couldn't possibly manage to fulfill the commission. Jesus says, All power is given unto me, in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And therefore, friends, as Christians, we seek to fulfill this commission and to go forth and to preach the gospel and to tell people about the good news that's come from heaven. The good news, like a cup of cold water. It's good news. It's something that cheers up the soul. And as we were saying earlier, we were referring to Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. This is the great end of the proclamation of the gospel. Oh yes, we proclaim God's word in order that, that he might receive the glory and honor that's due 
unto his great name. Yes, of course, that motivates us, that stirs us up. We seek to do what we do in order that his great name might be glorified. But also, we go out in order that people might hear the message of salvation. Because, friends, we need to be saved. We need to be saved. You may well wonder, what do we need to be saved from? Well, we need to be saved from our sins. Yes, sir, I do. Most certainly, this is a trustworthy saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And the Apostle Paul goes on to say, of whom I am the chief. And friends, as we stand here today and as we seek to tell you about the good news of the gospel, how that Jesus Christ has come to save sinners, we don't present ourselves. We don't recommend ourselves. We are sinners ourselves. We, des we deserve nothing but God's wrath and curse. But we have tasted that the Lord is good. We have tasted that the Lord is merciful, that the Lord is indeed forgiving. And that's what the, pro the prophet is saying here in the verse that I quoted a few moments ago. Look unto me, not unto him himself, to the prophet, but to another. Who is that other? That other is none other than Jesus Christ. And be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. That means all of us. We're all to look unto the Lord Jesus. The Bible tells us, teaches us, for there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All have missed the mark. All do not meet the standard that God requires. What is that standard that God requires? Well, God, because He's perfect, He demands perfect obedience. That's what He demands. Now, none of us can possibly meet the requirements of God. The law of God condemns us. But, friends, He has provided a way whereby we can be reconciled to God. He Himself has devised that way. What is that way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There Jesus is stating it clearly, obviously, dogmatically, we might say, in a very unpolitically correct manner, we might say today, but nevertheless, He's telling us the truth. He's the one who has come from heaven, and He is the one who will take people to heaven. Why? Because He's the one who has suffered and died in the room and in the place of sinners. He was sent on a mercy mission. <coughs> and that mercy mission was completed. How do we know that? Well, He went to the cross. 
He suffered. He died. He was taken down from the cross. He was put into a tomb. That tomb was sealed. But on the third day, on the first day of the week, Sunday, which became the Lord's Day, He arose. Is that not wonderful? Is that not glorious? <coughs> but the one who had suffered and died rose again. Does that not tell us then that his work was acceptable? Do you think that God would raise to life a liar or an imposter or a charlatan? God forbid that something like that would happen. But the very fact that he was raised again demonstrated, friends, that his work was found acceptable. The Bible tells us, again, read this in your own Bibles. You'll find it at the end of Romans chapter 4. He was delivered for our offenses and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what we want to draw your attention to this afternoon. There's a way to be saved. There's a way to be reconciled to God. There is a way to be sure of your eternal destiny. There is a way, a way that God himself has provided for us in the gospel. It is through the Lord Jesus Christ. The early church, as they went and preached the gospel, said, Salvation is found in none other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other way. No other Savior. Yes, we're well aware there are many, many religions, more than we like to count. And what's more, the number is growing day after day. And all of these religions are man's attempt to get right with God. They are man-made religions. And they will not save anyone. And those who... Christianity is man-made as well. No, my dear. Prove it to me. Prove it to me. But, but Jesus wasn't written by man. Oh, the, the time has been changed from B.C. to A.D. That could never happen if there was not an historical figure like Jesus. That's absolutely ridiculous. To even think that there was never a person, an historical person called Jesus. He has divided time. No one else has ever done that. No one else. None but the Son of God. And to say there was no 
historical person called Jesus is absolutely ridiculous. It's to deny facts. It's to bury one's head in the sand. Well, friends, you might deny him. You might reject him. But one day you'll see him. One day you'll give account. One day you'll stand before him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's why we come out. This, friends, we are delighted to tell you, is the day of grace. What does that mean? It's the day of God's favor. It's the day when we can make peace with him through receiving Christ as Lord and Savior, through repenting and believing the gospel and calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are assured of this wonderful promise that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a glorious promise from the Son of God himself. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friends, is that not a wonderful incentive to you then to believe? To turn your backs upon your old life? Repent and believe the gospel? What does repent mean? Well, it quite simply means that you're to turn your back upon your old sins, your old life. And primarily, you're to have right views of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Jews, some 2,000 years ago, they rejected their Messiah. That was their ultimate sin. But today, friends, we can be doing exactly the same thing. He is offered to you in the gospel. He is the Savior who has sent out people to preach the gospel and to lay bare the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ upon people. But if we continue to reject Him, what will happen? Well, He will reject us. The day will come. That terrible, terrible day will come when those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ, He will tell them, Depart from me. I never knew you. But friends, we must press on because these are times of encouragement for us. Because this is the day of grace. Paul said on another occasion to the Corinthians, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Many people hear about the claims of Christ, and they think about it, and they'll say, Well, I'll maybe consider it more fully on another occasion. Well, what does the Bible say? The Bible says today, 
Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. The devil will always say to you, tomorrow, tomorrow. But we don't know if we're going to have a tomorrow. We can pass into eternity this afternoon. We can go the way of all the earth this evening. We could be gathered to our fathers during the evening. We might go to sleep but never wake up. We're not assured of these things. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to make your calling and election sure. Now is the time to run and to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, while we still have breath, while there's still opportunity, while the gospel is still being proclaimed to you, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Is that not a hope there for us? Why should that be a hope, you might well say? Well, it's a hope for us and an encouragement for us because we're all sinners. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one, none. We've all like sheep, we've all gone astray. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As far as God is concerned, we are sinners. It says in the Bible, in Genesis, the first chapter, the first book of the Bible, chapter 6, verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's a terrible picture of mankind. Well, that's a picture of modern day mankind. This is what God sees when he looks down. And God sees, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You see, friends, God not only sees our actions, and He not only hears our words that we speak, and some of the words we speak are not very edifying, but God sees our heart. God sees right into our heart. And that's where the problem lies with us. It is our hearts. Our hearts are defiled. Our natures are defiled. Oh yes, sir, that's why, that's why we have all the problems in this world. That's why we have fighting. That's why we have rapes. That's why we have murders. That's why we have all these things. It's because of the heart. And the heart's wrong. The heart's defiled. But God has done something about it. When we become Christians, we have a new heart. We have a new nature. The old nature, the sins have been forgiven. New life. This is what Christianity 
is all about. It's new life. <laughs> Let me find that verse that talks about that new life. new creature in the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Would you like a new start? Would you like to draw a line under your old life, your old sinful life? Would you have your sins forgiven? Would you be reconciled to God? Would you be able to look into eternity without any fear? All of these things are in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Only Jesus Christ can take you to paradise. Only Jesus Christ can forgive your sins. Only Christ can give you new life. Only Christ can take you to heaven, to glory. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Paul says something else in another book in Romans. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Is that not wonderful? Is that not glorious? There is therefore now no condemnation. There's no condemnation for the Christian. No condemnation to him who has been saved. No condemnation to him who has come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read a verse from John's Gospel. John 36, John chapter 3, verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The wrath of God abideth on the unbeliever. But friends, it need not. There's a way of escape this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. There is therefore now no condemnation. 
Once upon a time we were all under the condemnation of God. But having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, being saved by Him, there is therefore now no condemnation. Do you want to know this glorious experience? Do you want to have your sins forgiven? Then you must call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You must be found in Him. And we must, friends, seek Him while He may be found. Solomon again, we quoted him at the beginning. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. What's he saying there? Well, he is exhorting young people to remember their Creator in the days of their youth, to call upon Him, and to make their peace with God through Jesus Christ. And He is reminding the young people to dedicate their lives to the service of God at a young age. Because there are people who think that they can live in the world for a time, for a season, and then maybe when they get a bit older and when they settle down, maybe then they'll turn and seek the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it doesn't always work out like that, friends, does it? It doesn't always work out like that. Because life goes on, and the older we get, the harder it is to repent. Oh, nothing is impossible with God, we know. But from experience, the longer that we remain in unbelief, the harder it is to turn. Sin takes a greater hold and grip upon us as each day passes. That's why Solomon says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing. We're going to take a short break to recharge our batteries, but may the Lord bless His Word to you this afternoon. Good afternoon again. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing uh, a local congregation. And we'll give you a warm welcome to our services. We meet every Lord's Day Sunday at 11 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. And we also meet on Wednesday evening at 7.30 for our prayer meeting. You're welcome to come along. We meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace, Upton Barton Road. When you come to the police station, go up the hill opposite the police station and you'll come to Thornwood Primary School. Well, we are next door there. And we give you a warm and sincere welcome to come and join us any of these days. And no obligation, no one's under pressure. 
we will be delighted to see you. Well, friends, we come out because we need to hear the Christian gospel. The Christian gospel reminds us, first of all, that we're sinners and we need a saviour. Who is that saviour? Well, we want to tell you who that saviour is. We don't want you to be ignorant. We want you, indeed, to be found in him. Well, that saviour is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the eternally begotten Son of God. And He became the Son of Man. What does that mean? Well, He became just like us. He was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary and born in the natural manner. And He grew up in poverty. And about when He was 30 years old, He was baptized. The Holy Spirit came upon Him. And what did the the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. There we have the Trinity. We have the voice of God the Father speaking from heaven. We have the Son of God there being baptized. And we have the Holy Spirit coming in the form of a dove. And this was Jesus beginning His public ministry and that's what he did he went about Jerusalem, Galilee preaching teaching, performing miracles demonstrating that he was the long promised long desired Messiah and ultimately friends according to the great plan of God he was rejected by his people the people said we have no king but Caesar and his blood be upon us and upon our children. And he was led off to be crucified. And that's what happened. He was nailed to a cross. And he suffered and died a most cruel death. But it was all part of God's plan. It was all part of God's plan. In order to work out a way whereby sinners might be saved. Why? Because God laid upon Christ the iniquity of His people. He offered up Himself that once for all perfect sacrifice for sin to satisfy the just demands of God's holy and inflexible law. And don't listen to people who tell you that He wasn't crucified. He was crucified. He suffered a death that no Roman citizen would suffer. And it was all part of God's plan in order to save His people because God was punishing Him as our substitute. And authentic Christianity, friends, is all about, it is all about Christ and Him crucified. The Apostle Paul said, we preach Christ and Him crucified. Many people don't like to hear about the crucifixion of Christ, but it reminds us about the seriousness of sin because it took the Son of God alone who was able to make atonement for sin. It reminds us about the wrath of God 
because God poured out His wrath upon His blessed Son. But it also reminds us about the love of God. God was prepared indeed to, to punish His Son in the room and in the place of sinners. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Well, friends, where do you stand this afternoon? We live in a very divided world, but one day the whole of mankind will be divided. It will be divided between those who are in Christ and those who are outside of Christ. Those who believe and those who do not believe. Where do you stand? Those in Christ will go to heaven. They will be with Him forever and forever. And those outside of Christ will not. They will go to that place that the Bible calls hell. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Friends, this is the day when we are to make our peace with God. This is the time that we're to call upon him while he is near and to believe upon him to the salvation of our souls. For he is the only God appointed Savior. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who give his life a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Well, may God bless his word to you this afternoon.